your lovely family and I'm free to sing of your love thank you Jesus You know, there was a time the Bible said that Jesus was going to Jerusalem with his disciples and he passed through Samaria. And the Bible said that when he got to Samaria, he looked as though he was going to Jerusalem. He looked as though he was going to Jerusalem. Now, we might not be able to accurately tell if it was because of his, the clothes, maybe he wore a special kind of ceremonial clothes, or maybe because of the countenance, or because of the carriage. But the Bible records that he looked as though he was going to Jerusalem. And the Samarians, when they noticed that he looked as if he was going to Jerusalem, the Bible said that they refused to open to him for them to pass through Samaria to Jerusalem. And James and John, who the Bible refers to as the sons of thunder, they said to Jesus that will you allow us to call down fire, just like Elijah called down fire, so that the fire can consume these people. And Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Praise the name of Jesus. And that response that Jesus gave to them is one to think about, is one to ponder about. And like I, I used to say here, I've said it here, I think I've said it in a couple of other, of other places, that a believer is the most enigmatic phenomenon on the earth. He's a mystery. The born-again status can only be explained by God. A born-again, a born-again man. The only person that can explain him is God. That is why when we surrender our lives to Christ, one of the discoveries that we discover amongst many other things is a discovery of who we are. It doesn't automatically fall upon us. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. It is not an awareness that God leaves to us to come into. Somebody needs to explain our new status to us. So yesterday I was listening to, for example, I was listening to... Um, Gideon. And then he said something very striking. He said that there are, because of the limitations of English language, or because of the limitation of the language of men, there are certain realities in the spirit that it would take more than one word to explain. One word cannot explain it. For example, what happens when a person gets converted from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son? There is no one word in the language of man that you can use to explain it. So you will talk about redemption. You will talk about justification. You will talk about sanctification. You will talk about glorification. And you are still talking about what happened when the person was converted. But one word will not be able to capture it. So there is a manner of spirit that we are of as God's children. There is a manner of spirit that we are of. And it is my prayer that God will cause us to walk in the fullness of our, of our status. In the fullness of our status in the name of Jesus Christ. There's this popular parable, I think it was Bishop Oedeko that made it quite popular. If you've read 
a number of his books, you might have encountered that parable. It is the, the sheep, the lion sheep parable. The lion sheep parable. How that a lion, a lion, right from when he was a cub, he was taken, probably they found him wandering somewhere, and so they took him and put him in the midst of sheep. Sheep, rather, because there's no S. In the midst of sheep. And then he was playing with the sheep and all of that, playing with all of them. And then as he was growing, he began to take on the behavior or the attitude of a sheep. And so the way the sheep will go out to look for pastures, to look for greener pastures, that's how he he would follow the sheep to look for greener pastures. And whenever a lion came around, whenever maybe the sheep were you know, trying to find what to eat, and then they encounter the lion. The way the sheep will flee at the presence of the lion. That's how even the lion that was part of the, the group of this sheep will also flee. He will run. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. He would run. Until one time, they wanted to, they went by the river. That was the power. They went by the river to, you know, take water for refreshing. And as the lion bent over the water, he realized something. He realized that he looked like the creatures he was running away from. He looked like them. Now, when he realized that he looked like them and he realized that he was different from the sheep, something happened. The next time, this group of lions came against him came against the sheep and him being among the sheep. All the sheep fled apart from him. And that was how he began to roll with other lions. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the parable reads thus, that the lion there is the born again. And that the sheep are the people of the world that he is following. He grew up with them. Studied the same course with them read the same textbooks with them. So he behaves the way, he began to behave the way every every other person behaved until he went by the living water, which is the word of God, and then realized who he was. Praise the name of Jesus. So the reason why we pay attention to scripture sometimes is not to, yeah, that is part of it, but it's not primarily, even though it's not primary, we, we pay attention to the word of God to know God's mind, God's heart, God's perspective, and to imbibe it. But also, as we pay attention to the word of God, we change. And that is why I will always say that a disciple in Christ Jesus is an adjusting man. For we all, beholding him as in a glass, are changed into the same image. So our changing, our transforming is into the same image. But from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. So there is an image that we are beholding. And we are adjusting to that image. And even though the image doesn't change, we ourselves, we are changing. And when we get transformed, when we look at that mirror, we will still see another reason to be yet transformed. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I just thought to share that. No, that's not what we are discussing today. Okay, so today we are going to be considering, of course, in our theme, this should be the second to, la- to the last topic. In the theme, the salvation of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And today we are considering the topic, saved unto good works. Saved unto good works. Saved unto good works.
Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians 2. We are going to be reading it from verses 8 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2. The eighth verse down to the tenth verse. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Are we there? The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Number nine. It says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Which God had ordained before, bef- which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Praise the name of Jesus. I'd like to take the amplified version of that um, scripture. So please give me a minute while I get the amplified of Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, verse 8 says, For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. So the grace in this particular passage is explicit. It says, It is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. So grace in this context has a destination, and the destination or the purpose of that grace is to draw you to Christ. That you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. So saved also has a context. Saved here is the process of being delivered from God. Are are we together? Saved in this context is you were saved by God from him. You were saved by his grace from his judgment. So that's the saved we are talking about here. So for that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. Not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempt to keep the law. So that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, 
ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand taking parts which he set so that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us praise the name of Jesus Christ before I pass any comment on this let's open our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14 Deuteronomy chapter 14. We are going to be doing Bible study. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28 to 29. 14, verse 28 to 29. Okay, let, let us start from... Twenty-seven. 27. Deuteronomy chapter 14 from verse 27. The Bible says, And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, Thou shalt bring forth all the tithes of thy increase the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he had no partner inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands, which thou Doest. 15 verse 1. 15 verse 1. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought, that lendeth ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. 3. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thine hand shall release. Save when there shall be no poor among you. For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command this day. Six, for the Lord thy God blessed thee as he had promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but thou shalt not, but they shall not reign over thee. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanted. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and there and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou give him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it is 
and it be seen unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved. Pay, pay close attention now. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, say, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, to thy needy in thy land. The Lord bless the reading of his word in our heart in the name of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was actually talking about, remember when that woman blessed Jesus, and Jesus was passing, it, and um, Judas Iscariot said, why this waste? Wouldn't, shouldn't we have, um, you know, collected the oil and sold it and used the money to give to the poor? You know, Jesus passed a comment. He said, the poor shall continually be among thee. Now, Jesus was actually making reference to this scripture. But you see, from... From um, Deuteronomy 14, 28 that we began to read, or 27, we see that God was talking about tithe, tithe, tithe. And God made an, an ordinance around tithe. I, I promised, I'm promising myself that I will not go towards that direction, but let me go towards that direction. Now, if you want to practice, if, if you have come to a revelation of the fact and you believe sincerely that you should practice tithing, 10% giving, 10% giving, paying actually, not giving, to pay 10, 10% because it was a law of prosperity, of one of the ways people enter into prosperity, then you must practice it correctly. If at all you want to practice it, it must be practiced correctly. Because here we see that God began to talk to the children of Israel about how they should spend, how, how they should administer the tithes. And then he said it should be for the Levites because they have no inheritance. It should be for the fatherless, for the stranger, for the widow. But that's not my, my I'm not oppressed on that matter. But you see, God began to tell them about the Levite the stranger, which in other places you see foreigner, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And then God goes to, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, God now begins to talk about the year of release, which is the seventh. After every seven years, there will be a release. Now, if we go down that Deuteronomy 15, you will realize that there's also, there's also a year of release for slaves. Amen? There's a year of release for slaves. But now, this one is the year of release. And God put it at every seven years. And God said that after every seven years, if a person can owe you, for example, now the seven years is, is not that if the person has owed you for seven years, once it enters seven years, you shouldn't collect it back. That's not what God was saying. God was saying that a tenor of seven might have started six years ago. Next year, we'll, make another, we'll complete another circle of seven. If your brother comes to you this year in, on December 31st to ask you to borrow him something, to lend him something, and you think within your heart that, no, next year, the, another circle of seven would have completed. And if I borrow him, I will, not, I will not be able to collect it back. God was actually forbidding the children of Israel for 
from not okay god was forbidding them not to withhold what they ought to give to their brother because the year of release was closed praise the name of jesus so somebody can come to learn something from you at 11:30 on december 31st let's use this our gregorian calendar and you will not say oh next year is just 30 minutes away from now is the new year to be a day so i can i will not be able to collect it back so i won't give now god did not stop there god now went ahead to say now if you give him you are not permitted to be sad praise the name of jesus see you are not you are not also permitted to be sad about it meaning that after you have parted with it you also scan your heart to see if you are sad or not in order to determine whether that your giving is acceptable. Now it looks very tough and fierce, right? As if the, the, the commandment is a tough one. Now Jesus, preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, now made a very striking statement, which I believe I think every believer should know. Jesus said, Except your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no way enter into the kingdom. Meaning that for us that are New Testament saints, the level of righteousness God demands from, from us is higher than the level of righteousness he demands from, he demanded under the old covenant. Now a Pharisee, like I've always said, and I'll keep saying because of some of the points we have to make, a Pharisee is not an hypocrite. There are two different things. Many times when people use Pharisee, what they have in the back of their mind, what they're trying to communicate is an hypocrite. No, a Pharisee is not an hypocrite. Um, if you read Hebrews, Paul, is it Hebrews now, or either Hebrews or Corinthians, when Paul was trying to defend his ap- ap- apostolic calling, Paul actually referred to himself as a Pharisee. A Pharisee is someone who is skilled, someone who is learned in the laws of Moses. He's learned. He knows it. That's who a Pharisee is. Someone who is skilled in the law of Moses. Now, this person who is killed, who has been learning the law, learning it, and trying to live by it, Jesus said that this kingdom that we are talking about, your righteousness will have to surpass the righteousness of such a person before you can enter. Meaning that if God gave them this standard, then this standard is the least. So, in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, when God began to say that we are his workmanship, and before he said we are his work of art, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, created, molded out in Christ Jesus, so that we will walk good works. Praise the name of Jesus. Check that scripture carefully. It didn't say so that you will do good works. He said that so that you will walk on the path, paraphrase, so that you will walk on the path of good works. So he said that God had ordained us to walk in them. Praise the name of Jesus. We have been ordained to walk on the path of good works. Meaning that the Christian walk, the Christian life has has two sides. Amen. There is a side on this other angle, and there is a side on this other angle, and there is a straight line in between. Now, you are supposed to travel with God on that straight line. Now, that straight line is a straight line that you will never 
have any moment where you'll be excused from good works. Good works is part of the journey. That's what I'm trying to say. Good works is part of the journey. But Paul made a careful distinction here when he said that by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works, not of works, not of works. Now, and that, that works there is not the same as good works. Even though good works will not get you saved. But Paul was trying to say to them that not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. However, even though you were not saved by works, you were saved to walk. So we were not saved by works, you, we were saved to walk. We were saved to produce. Because work is the recipe for production. Work is the recipe. Work precipitates production. So Jesus called us to work. In other words, Jesus called us to produce. So there ought to be something that our life is producing. Now, tying the two scriptures where we read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, let me tie them together. What I'm trying to say is that God called us to unto good works. And now this is the funny part. And the good works is not for your own, in quote now, in the flesh now. The good works is not for your own profiting. It is as though you are producing, a generator is working to bring out what? Power. So that the household can use. But the generator is not using the household. It's not using the power. The same way, the good works, the original template of good works that God has called us into, are works that are done not because we have seen something in need for us. They are works that are done for the benefit of the people that are around us. That is what qualifies it for good works. And just like that quote says, that says, those who do works that count, don't stop to count them. Those who do works that will count, they don't stop to count them. So we, 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 we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 14 and 15 how that God totally exterminated every possibility for the children of Israel to live for self. In other words, if I'm working, <laughs> now, the reason why I'll be able to have something for my family to eat, eh? I'll be able to have enough for my family to eat, is that I am trusting God that you, my brother, you are also not selfish. Because if you come to me and ask something from my hand, as a result of your own selfishness, even though it's as a result of your own selfishness that you're asking me, God demands me that I give it to you. We must understand that in, in, in the children of Israel, the life of children of Israel, those guys, they saw God in everything. They saw God in everything. And so if a person was perpetually living in selfishness, at the end of the day, when the person dies, they will not say the person died, they will, be, they will say that the, the Lord smote him because of the level of wickedness that he perpetrated on the earth, the Lord smote him. So, 
an original Jew following God at this point in time, he left all judgment into the hands of God. There were people who believed that God was going to recompense. And if you believe that God is going to recompense, then God has God does not want you to do anything self-propagating and self-sustaining. And so, even though you are giving tithe, you are paying tithe, God did not say that you are paying this tithe to secure your future. The purpose that you are going to pay this tithe is so that the priest and the fatherless and the widows will have something to eat. Now the Bible now says that so that the Lord will bless the work of your hands. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. He will bless the work of your hands. Now, that blessing the work of your hands is not that so that your own riches will multiply. It is so that you will have more to give. Praise the name of Jesus. So that you will have more to give. The Bible in the New Testament gives us this scripture. The Bible says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you, having the abundance of things, may be able to abound unto every good work. So the reason why God will make all grace abound towards you is so that when you are have abundance, you may be able to abound unto good works. So when, as it were, when as a result of your faithfulness in distributing, God begins to make grace to abound towards you. It is because God wants you to abound unto every good work. It is God is that it is that God wants you to multiply the level at which you give. So giving remains the motive. Giving remains the motivation. Giving remains the idea. So it is to have to give. So Paul says to one of the churches, he said that let him who doesn't work. Let him go and walk so that he will have to give. He said, let there be no busybody amongst you. Let him who doesn't walk, let him go and walk so that he will have to give. So why does God want you to have? The first response is that God wants you to have so that you can give. Because it is accepted according to that which a man has, not according to that which he has not. So when God gives to you, it is so that he will have to give. It is so that you will have to give. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And so sometimes when God gives me the privilege to give to people, one of the things I used to say when I give, you know sometimes when you give, one corner of your heart will be like, hi, this money, hi, are you sure we will not have used it for something else? There's something I used to say, and help me, I would say out of the abundance of mercy that I have received, I give. I used to say it. Out of the abundance of mercy, I call it mercy, out of the abundance of mercy that I have received, I give. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says to us, Jesus speaking, he said, it is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. But do you know that in church, if I, if I give somebody this Bible and the person wants to tell you that pastor gave me this Bible, you know what the person say? The pastor blessed me with the Bible. That's what we say now. Pastor blessed me with the Bible. Meanwhile, Jesus said, no, it's not like that. Pastor was blessed to give you a Bible. Are we, are we seeing the difference now? Pastor was blessed 
to give you a Bible. So when it comes to giving and receiving, the person who is blessed is the giver. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Okay, so God now says, um, um, Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, now that says to them that there are good works that we have been ordained to walk in. Now I want to I want us to do a quick comparison. A quick something to compare. We need to compare something. Titus. I, I think our comparison will be found in that book of Titus, chapter 2. One will be in Titus 2, one will be in Titus 1. So but Titus 2, let's do Titus 2 first. Titus 2, verse 13. Titus 2, verse 13. Are we there? Titus 2, verse 13. Let me wait a little bit for us. Titus 2, verse 13. I'll read now. The Bible says, looking for the, that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Amen. So, when Jesus redeemed us from all iniquity and purified us a peculiar people, what is making us peculiar? It is that we are zealous for good works. Meaning that if I look at the life of a person and that person is not zealous for good works, then that person's salvation is in doubt. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. If a person is not zealous, you know zeal, zeal, zeal. You know zeal is a bit different from willingness. Amen. Zeal is a bit different from willingness. Now, willingness is that I want to. Zeal is that I am looking for every available means to do it. So, God forged for himself a people that are zealous for good works. But Titus chapter 1, verse 16 now. Titus chapter 1, verse 16 now gives us Another kind of people that we may find. Titus 1.16. The Bible says they profess. The Bible says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. They profess that they know God. They confess that they know God. They say that they know God. But their life denies him. So scripture says, in works, they deny him. Sir, it means, sir, that if we can deny him in works, we can also accept him in works. But we have to lay that first foundation, that it is not by works that we are saved. However, there is a way I will live my life, and my life will be a denial to the existence of God. There is a way I will hold on to things and my life will be a denial that God is El Shaddai. There is a way my heart will cleave to things 
And because of the way my heart had cleft to that thing, it will be a denial of the fact that God is all sufficient. So the Bible says that they profess, they profess that they know God, but in works, that's where they deny Him. In works, that's where they deny Him. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Meaning that God wants us to approve His character in works. You have faith, it is good. You have hope, it is good. But if you want to announce God, something must be done. There's an activity that you will engage in that will make us to see and know that this person truly believes that there is God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that these people, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. And the Bible says that they are abominable. They are disobedient. Those are the two things that they used to deny God. Number one, they are abominable. Number two, they are disobedient. Meaning that, you see, the disobedience in that scripture is that, is that there are, there are clear instructions of scriptures. There are clear instructions and precepts of God that they are willing to break in order to be self-sustaining. That's what makes a person disobedient. I've come to realize that, sir, the reason why a person will be disobedient and will sit at the base of disobedience for a very, very long time is because his disobedience is being powered by self. So, Saul said something. Saul said that when we went there, yes, the Lord told us to destroy everything and exterminate everything, but the people thought it wise. The people, the people, the people, the people, they thought it wise that it would be good for us to take of the fatted calves there and come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Okay, you know that sounds like a good excuse. What of the king? <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus Christ. What of the king? This is what, this is what I think. This is what I perceive. I could be wrong, but I perceive. That, you know, even that king, the Amalekites, right? Even that king of Amalek, you will know that the way they operated then, you don't just say you are a sovereign country. The way Nigeria will say Nigeria is one insoluble country. Sovereign country. You can't say that. We cannot guarantee that you are sovereign. Because at any point in time, another nation that is stronger than you might come and overpower you. So the reason why you will be able to stand strong is according to the number of territories around you that you conquer. So there were conquering kingdoms. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there were other... And the way they do then is that if, we, if I have conquered you, for example, if Nigeria conquers Ghana, it is not that everybody in Nigeria will now begin to troop to Ghana to go and live there. No, that's not how they show that they have conquered Ghana. What they show that, what they used to show that they have conquered Ghana is that there is a tribute that the president in Ghana will be paying to our own president. And if he wants to rebel against our president, then one of the months he's supposed to pay, he won't pay. That's how they used to do it. So now, this Amalekite, the king of Amalek, I want to believe, I could be wrong, but I'm seeing that there was a level of political relevance around him. There was a level of political relevance. Because you cannot totally say that you have destroyed destroyed the enemies of the Lord and you will leave their king. Most times, when the king is killed, the 
voice over, right? But now the king was left alone and he was brought back. So it could be that in that realm, in that realm, when it comes to politicking, the king of Amalek was a legend in it. And maybe Saul admired him. Saul admired him. That's the only reason why Saul will bring him back. That's what I think. But now self, the people said, let's do this. And what will make a person to admire a hidden king, an enemy of the Lord? It is self, because he wants to learn how to build a dynasty that will last. And one of the reasons why Saul was angry at David was not because principally David wanted to collect his throne. It was because David was going to rob Jonathan, his son, of the throne. Because every king that reigned or ruled then wanted to build a dynasty that will last forever. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And so that disobedience happened. Then the next time they were supposed to sacrifice. And the sacrifice was a sacrifice that should be made before they will encounter or confront the, Philipp- the Philistines. Now Samuel said he was coming. But the Philistines were drawing close. And the people were, were already getting scared. And Saul said to Samuel, he said, the people were already departing from me. That was why I offered the sacrifice. That was what he said. He said, the people were already departing from me. And that was why he offered the sacrifice. So I have seen that the reason why a person will sit at the base of disobedience for long is because there is something that is benefiting him. See, back. For example, the reason why you might not really catch a Christian smoking, you know that's about one of the first things that break him. You might not really catch a Christian smoking is that he knows that, apart from the fact that God doesn't like it, he knows that it is detrimental to his health. But the reason why you might catch a Christian taking bribe is because it is beneficial to his well-being. That is why it is more difficult to read the person's heart of greed than it is to stop the person from smoking. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the Bible says that they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. And the Bible says, unto every work they are reprobate. Unto every good work they are reprobate. They are reprobate. Now reprobacy, let us check it in another Translation. Let us see what the Bible is trying to pass across to us. Can we still do? Um, let's still do amplified. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's still do amplified. Uh, Titus chapter one. Six. Amen. So the Bible says that they profess to know God, to recognize and be acquainted with him, but by their actions, they deny him and disown him. They are detestable and disobedient and worthless for good work of any kind. So in other words, God cannot achieve anything with their lives. God cannot achieve anything with their lives. But if you juxtapose this vis-a-vis, if you juxtapose it vis-a-vis 
that Titus chapter 2 where we read. The Bible says God prepared for himself a people that are zealous for good works. Now how come these other people? God is saying that they are detestable for every good work. Praise the name of Jesus. It is still tied to that Ephesians chapter 2. It is that these people originally, originally, even though they think so, originally there is something wrong with their salvation. There is something wrong with their salvation. That is why. That is why. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. That is why. I give you another uh, scenario. Remember the scenario of a man that was owing, let's, let's use our today money. A man that was owing his master 10 million naira. Remember that one? He was owing his master 10 million naira. And then his master told them to go and bring him. And then brought him. His master said, see today, you are going to pay me my money. No, I'm going to deal with you mercilessly. And then the man began to beg and to cry and all of that. And then the master said, okay, I forgive you of the 10 million naira. And then immediately, oh God, immediately he left the presence of his master. He saw someone that was paying him 100,000. And the Bible said he held him by the neck. Held him by the neck and said, you must give me that my money today. Now, the person didn't have to give, and so he took the person and put the person in prison. Other people who knew what had happened between him and his master now went to report to his master. And then the master called him. And then he came, and the master said, did you not owe me 10 million naira, and I forgive you? How come the person that was owing you 100,000 naira, you did not, you did not forgive the person? And the Bible says that him, his family, all of them, they were thrown into the prison until they would pay every dime that they were owing that master. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. All right. Now, this is the point. What will it be? How is it possible? How is it possible that a person will experience forgiveness from God and that forgiveness, you will not be able to extend it to another person? What could be the reason? I'll tell you. The reason is that it didn't mean anything to him. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Now, yeah, he could be crying, but the forgiveness, Gongo, that forgiveness, it didn't mean anything to him. Because if it meant anything to him, if it meant anything to him, then it will flow out of his life. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And that is why Jesus said, you cannot cast your pearls before swines. There are precious things that you cannot cast to people. See, it, now it's not all about grace now. It is that this person must recognize what he's collecting, what he's receiving. This is the reason why sometimes some people might ask God for something and that thing will not come. You know, people say that God doesn't say no to prayer. It can't be true. God will have you know the value of what he has given to you. He won't give you, he won't give you something and then you treat it like a piece of trash because he said to us that we should not cast our, our pearls before swines. And this is the reason why in practical terms, you realize that you are preaching the gospel to a person and the person doesn't value what you are saying. It's not paying attention to what you are saying. 
Don't be in a hurry to get them to say the sinner's prayer. What the person is receiving is not valuable to him. And I'm not saying that accounts for anything, but there were people who gave their life to Christ on their knees. Meanwhile, we are chewing gum. What I'm trying to say tonight is that the way a person enters into Christianity will ultimately matter. That's what I'm trying to say. The way I have entered Christianity will matter. Because truly, if I receive that forgiveness and that forgiveness meant anything to me, then it will show. It will show. It truly will show. And that is why I believe strongly, I believe strongly, <laughs> that you see, when God saves a man, when God saves a man, and that man is genuinely saved, the man will recognize the level of death God puts put his hand into to get him out. Check the life of Paul. It was a regular feature. Paul was saying to them, he said, for this reason, Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of which I was the chief. You know, you see things like that. So to Paul, it meant a lot. To Paul, it meant, it meant a lot. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm saying that the reason why good works might not be replicated in our life is because probably we have not really experienced, we have not really experienced, no, we have not really estimate, estimated the blessings of God that has come upon our lives. You know, there are times where, for me, now, now you, you have to be strict on some things, amen? That's have to be strict on some things. But I don't know if it happens to you, but it happens to me. If I, if I don't plan on do, giving you something, eh, I won't give you the luxury of begging for too long. <laughs> I don't know if it happens to you. If you beg for too long for it, if you beg for too long for it, Kai, there is a possibility that I might give it to you. And you know why? You know why it happens like that? Because I've seen how God has been merciful to me. I've seen how God has been merciful to me. You see, there are times where there are strict rules, very strict rules, very, very strict rules. And we find that some people have broken these rules. But they didn't break the rule because they were willing to break it. They, were, they broke the rule because something had happened. So, for example, jam is expiring today. It expires at, jam registration expires at 5. I want to give you a, a scenario. Jam registration expires at 5. The rule is that at 4, you lock the center for registration. That means you close it, even though the portal is still open. But this, the, 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 what's it called now? The center should be closed, but the portal is still open. That means there is still, in case you will still have work to do, between that four to five, you should be able to register the backlogs you have. But officially, you are not supposed to attend to anybody again at four, right? But somebody came in at 3.59, or probably at four. If you came in at four, and you you say to the person, "Why are you here at four? You know, you know, you know when you charge. I'm not serious. 
you are serious, you have been here since morning. What would you be coming at all? And the person begins to explain to you that, oh, sorry, that was not what happened. I actually don't live in town. I'm, I actually traveled down. I started traveling to come and do this registration. And when we were coming, our vehicle broke down. And when our vehicle broke down, we had to wait for it to be fixed. And when we were coming, it broke down again. So I saw another car and I joined them. And when I joined them, they dropped me just at this place. Then I began to run, run down here. And then you can actually see that the person is panting and breathing. And then you say, but they, they told us four to stop attending to people. Whenever you are in situations like that, and you know it is still within your capacity to show mercy, always do it. See, my emphasis is always. Always do it. Always. Always do it. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. I, I, I can't overemphasize it enough. Always. Always do it. There are some people that there is nothing you will say to them. They won't allow you coming for that registration. You see, it's oh God. I think Papa Swanky that shared this. You need people. You need those little God bless you. You see those little little God bless you. We need it in our lives. Yes, yeah, and I not in Christ. We need it in our lives. Some of these things ultimately impact on our destiny. A friend of mine told me how he was coming. You know, we're talking about good works, right? So let me keep on sharing. A friend of mine told me how one time he was riding his father's bike and he was coming from the village. <laughs> and as he was coming from the village, he saw an old man by the road. Uh, you know, I, if, if you've ever been to the village, like my own village, you go to the deep part of the village, you might stand on a main road, this kind of main road. You might stand on it for 25 minutes and you will see bike. Or car pass. But the man wanted to cross over to the other village. So he knew he was coming. And then he just thought to himself, you know the way God will talk with your heart. So he just thought to himself, let me let me help this old man. And then he stopped by. And then the old man sat. And then he, he took the he brought the man to, to the other village. And then when the man came down, he said the old man held his hand and said, Your hand will never go dry. He said the man just held his hand and said, Your hand. Will never do that. Now, I know some people have overemphasized encounters like that, but the truth of the matter is that things like that add to destiny. As a matter of fact, the only possibility that you will see an angel in your life in human form will be those possibilities. And so, <laughs> Paul speaking to one of the churches, he said to them, He said that you should always be given to hospitality because some of you are entertaining angels unawares. He said, some of you have entertained angels on our way. Especially when you have not known the person before. Especially when you have not known the person before. And it's a tight situation. Always take opportunities like that. In short, like Paul will say, you know, in some of his, in some of his letters, he will say that, and of love towards one another, there is no need for me to write to you again because you already know these things. And so for a Christian, there is actually really no need for some of these things to be preached. It's just that sometimes the Bible says we should remind ourselves of this present truth so that we can be established in them. Occasionally, if you can, if you can, if you can, see, there are some things, let's let not be as if we are blowing our trumpets, but there are some things that God helped us to do. And when we look at the little resources that we had and the thing that we had accomplished, it will look so marvelous. 
I don't know one time, nobody knew. One time when I was serving in Obu, we went to camp to get, I think, back B. Went to camp. You know, our Lawi was how much? 1980. We look at the station, sub, and all of that. So I was passing by. I was passing by. I was passing by, and I saw, I think, one boy. You know, the way he was sitting, sir. So we're talking. I said, "Did you go to school today?" You know the way you were talking to me, child. Did you, did you go? Did you go to school today? And he said, ah, "No, you didn't go to school." I said, "What happened?" He said, "Cut the chase me for school fees." Ah. So I think I, I I told him to call his mother. So he called his mom. Ah, madam, what happened now? Your son said, "Ah, the school fees are there." I think she was selling some of these petty things in town. So how much is school fees? She said something around two thousand and two five. Now, I could afford it in two five. So I just just squeezed the. I said, let him go to school tomorrow. Let him go to school tomorrow. And so the woman took it and thanked me and appreciated me and all of that and prayed for me and all of that. Now, it, this is a whole thing. A whole thing. How did? How was I able to pay for somebody to go to school for a whole thing? Just two thousand. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Now, if if. If God wanted to count the number of people that have sent people to school, at least for a ten, by the grace of God, we will be there. So sometimes there are little resources that we have, and we think these resources are little, but you don't know what you will be able to achieve in your own life. Let me, frankly speaking, a thousand naira doesn't really look like big money to me. It doesn't really look like big money to me. But there was a time in my life where, see, you know, this thing that I said, I mean it very well. I mean it, I mean it deeply. The Bible said, no, not the Bible now. But what I used to say, because I gave it my own point, out of the abundance of the mercy that I have received, I have shown mercy. Do not be a person who thinks you carry, you are carrying a garment of favor when favor is not communicating out of your life. Don't say, well, anyway, I go to favor me. Who are you favoring? I remember I say I have a garment of favor. No, it's good for you to have a garment of favor, but there is something that ought to be releasing out of your life. Something ought to be going out of your life. And then I, I, I I'll go on and on. On and on. When I was little, I had some of the best clothes. I had clothes that it were rich children that had it. Clothes. And how did it happen? The place where my dad was working in Abuja. The woman, she just took a liking to me. So the clothes that her children were wearing, and they were very, very rich. Occasionally she just packed it in a whole box and sent it down. And sent it down to me. So we wear. I was looking, you know, you know, you wear some really quality stuff. The same way my auntie. You already know her. That's how she sent me clothes. Now when I was in Enugu, there was a day. Man of God, I was so broke. You know the way you'll be broke sometimes, man? You cannot calculate well. I was so broke. I was walking to, you know, a, a, something happened. Um, I think VP had me, no, academics, the other fellow man. Okay. Yeah. So she, she, she sent me with a letter to go and give to this uh, national proprietor, something, something. Give like me the letter. And the person, the school that the proprietor that was their head had, was at the back of family house. So she gave me the letter and gave me 100 naira. 
So when she gave me, I was calculating how I would be. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So I was saying that one of the, the strongest significance about being a people that are zealous for good works, or one of the one of the strongest points of being a people that are zealous for good works is that everywhere we are, we are willing to contribute. If you teach in a school, contribute. Don't you see? It is not Christian to say they are not paying me for this one. Not Christian to say they are not paying me for this one. Everywhere we are, we ought to contribute. So, like, as one will say, say, if your friend is getting married and you don't really have money to give, on that day, show up. Help him to clean. You know? Because, sorry, because every one of us ought to be a person who has a value adding mindset. A value adding mindset. We add value to it. If you give things to us, we add value to it. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. You are in a car and you see somebody that is distressed. You, you can carry the person. Help the person. I'm not saying that use it to say, Lord, as I'm carrying people inside rain now, rain will never touch me. No. You don't need that. You don't need that. You know that <laughs> scripture actually says it's a sin for your brother to come and ask you for something and you have it and you say you don't. Jesus actually said that if you borrow something to somebody, do not ask it back. Check. That's someone on the mouth. Check. Check the, the one that look rude. It, it, there is carrying more weight. He said if your brother says, go, he said, he said if somebody says, go, go with me one mile, he said, go with him two. Praise the name of Jesus. That it says, go with me one mind, go with him two. Meaning that if I'm relating with, pers- with a person, I should do more than, I should have a mindset of doing more than is expected, going the extra mile. Do you know that in the world of business, it's one of the ways to show excellent customer service? That's what we're taught. That if a customer comes to you, have the mindset of going the extra mile. For example, you come, you want to do a transaction, or right? you want to get something. At the surface level, I know that this thing is not possible. However, there is another knowledge I have that I know that if I follow through on that, I will be able to get this thing done for you. You know what some people, you know what happens most times that leads to service failure? That's not that route, we don't want to pass through it. Maybe it involves me sending a mail to head office and calling head office and talking to head office. Say, ah, oh, those head office people, I don't want to talk anymore. Nobody should stress me. It's not available. But God says, if a person comes and says, go with me one mind, you go with him too. Say so that if somebody sues, sues you for your for your coat, is it giving your clothes? Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So good works were saved unto it. Were saved unto it. Were saved unto it. And you know, like one of Pastor Banky's strongest points. And it is the switch of God's power. So the switch of God's power is the continual doing of good works. Just, just keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. 
keep on keeping on. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord will bless us in the name of Jesus. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5, as I attempt to round up, yeah, as I attempt to round up, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they, will, that they may see your good works. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. It is not, it is, you know, this, what I said now is different from do your good works so that you'll be seen of men. Do your good works so that you'll be seen of men. It's different from let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. There are two different things. They see there. And these two phrases now are from scriptures. Because Jesus said, do not do it, do your good works. Do not give arms before, do not give arms before men to be seen by them. But you see, good works, even though it, it should in your heart, it should be a secret agenda. But it cannot stay hidden for long. That's what Matthew chapter 5 is trying to communicate with us. That yes, your good works should be done in the secret. Right? But if you continue in the secret with your good works long enough, it will be seen of men. And it is your Father in heaven that will be glorified. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Just like I was sharing with somebody, we're talking about kingdom financier. So do you know that this thing that I just said, kingdom financier, you know there's, there's this phrase now, there's nothing like that in the Bible. In short, there were places where ministry gifts were called. Apart from the fivefold ministry, there were other places where Paul began to talk about the ministry of helps and administration. Do you know this thing, kingdom financier, is not there? This thing. But it's one of the things that, you know, we like that one, to finance kingdom. And you see, every one of us, this is the order of God. What, that, that kingdom financier, what it means, every one of us are kingdom financiers. Every one of us, a kingdom what? A kingdom financier. Every one of us should give to the gospel. Everyone. Every, all of us have the anointing. It's not, it's not an anointing. It's a discipline you must have. But the thing the matter is that all of us might not have the same resources. So there are people who have more resources who should give more. And there are people who have some resources and they should give. But all of us are kingdom financiers. So don't use kingdom financier to eye wealth. Praise the name of Jesus. Financial apostle. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that in scripture. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now finally I close on this note. We see Lazarus and the rich fool. Both in the book of Luke. I think one is, one is in Luke 16. Lazarus. Luke 12 is the rich fool. Lazarus in Luke 16. Um, um, the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. The Bible never recorded that it was a sinner. The Bible said there was a certain rich man who fed sumptuously. And Lazarus desired to eat of the crumbs that fell from his table. However, the, his dogs would come and look the saw of Lazarus. But it came to pass that um, the rich man died and was buried, and Lazarus died and was carried. That's what happened. Now, the rich fool said that, Look at all this harvest that I have gotten. I will now say to my soul, So, 
Give your soul rest. Eat and be satisfied. For you have done well. Paraphrase. And God said, Thou fool. Thou fool. What um, your soul will be required of you tonight. Now, I might not be able to say that is the total reason why some of the things that happened to them happened to them, or that thing that happened to them happened to them. But it was a significant part of it. This thing called liberality was a significant part of what happened to them. Because even though Lazarus was poor, if the rich man had opened his arms to Lazarus, he had opened his hand to the gospel. Because Lazarus would have labored over time to bring the gospel to him. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And that rich fool, his only goal in life was to achieve what he wanted to achieve. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you place in life, in life, finally, let, can I? Oh, God. Let me close on this note. Let us be careful not to kill ourselves before our time. I'll say it again. Let us be careful not to kill ourselves before our time. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus Christ. This is what I mean. There is one goal every man is supposed to pursue. That goal is Jesus. You follow that goal long enough. Then God decides that you have embodied Jesus on this side of eternity long enough and that it is time for you to transition to glory. That's how it ought to be. If you place anything as your golden achievement in life and say that at so, so, so age, I want to achieve this and you put all your energy, you put all your resources, you damn the consequences, you ride on anybody to achieve that goal. Once you achieve that goal, you are not likely to live past the next five years. They're not like you. See, this thing, I've looked at it. If you say, oh, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be very rich so that I will live my dreams, I own private jets and all that, and then you put it as your goal. And then you chase after it and pursue after it. At the end of the day, you are going to find it if you, if you get there. When you find it, one of two things will happen. It's either you will, you, and that's if God wants to show you mercy, you will be discontented in that thing. But if you are contented and you say, hmm, now my soul can rest and enjoy, you are not likely to live long. That's what happened for, to that rich fool. That is why we must not place anything at, at the pinnacle of our hearts. As if to say that when, 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 I, when I travel to America, if God cannot take me to America, then I've lived my dream. I've had a lot of stories of people who, when they were crossing the border, they said, it is over my dead body that will return back. Guess what? They return in their dead bodies. I've heard a lot of stories. They return in their dead bodies. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let us follow after God. Let us pursue after God. That is not part of our good works and blessing, but I just want to share I just want to share that. Amen and amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Let us rise tonight and speak to the Lord.